Okay, we are ready to roll. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Daily Power Parsha. This is our high inspiration at high noon. I am so glad to be here with you to explore some Torah concepts and to get inspired and hopefully uh, help uplift our day. Okay, so we are smack dab in the middle of two Torah portions, uh, Tazria and Mitzorah. And we're going to focus today on the dominant theme, which is the affliction of Tsaras. And I mentioned yesterday that Tsaras, although it's translated typically as leprosy, Tsaras is understood to not literally be the physical affliction of leprosy, but rather a spiritual skin ailment that looks like um, the way that... uh, um, it looks like the way that 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 uh, that leprosy looked like back in the day, but it's a it's a spiritual it's a spiritual thing. Um, so how do we know that it was spiritual? How do we know that it wasn't just a a physical thing? How do we know that it was spiritual? So I want to speak about a few points. Okay, so point number one: Tsaras appeared as the Torah describes it, on different parts, on different things. Number one, it could appear on the skin, like leprosy, but it could also appear on clothing, which is very unique. And uh, furthermore, it could also appear in one's home. The Torah says that it, 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 it was a multifaceted um, affliction and ailment that could hit either a body, it could hit an article of clothing, and it could also hit a home. The, the bricks and the stones, not bricks, but stones uh, of a home. And this tells us immediately that it's not leprosy, because leprosy is not something that could, affle- that, that could, that could actually discolor um, clothing or a home. It's, it was a spiritual, uh, spiritual malady, spiritual affliction. That's the first clue that it's something spiritual and not something, you know, it's not a... Uh, uh, like a dermatologist wouldn't be consulted for this. This was a spiritual thing. Number one. Number two, the affliction itself was white. As the Torah describes it, the skin, for example, would turn white. And that indicates, um, you know, when, when skin turns white, it indicates a lack of blood flow, which again has a spiritual counterpart, and that is that the spiritual lessons that the person is supposed to be living or the spiritual ideals that we're meant to be living up to and that person, they, they weren't living that. There was some sort of obstruction to that flow of energy, of spiritual energy, and that causes, on a spiritual level, the skin to turn white. Again, I'm going to say that one more time just to, to, to make sure that it's, that it's coming across clearly. Just like um, when we cut off the circulation to a limb in the body or to a part of the body, it turns white because there's no blood flow, so too the tsaras, which was a spiritual affliction, uh, was when the skin turned white to indicate that the spiritual flow, the energy of the soul and healthy energy wasn't flowing properly throughout the body, throughout that person's body, and that led to the spiritual ailment of tsaras, which is manifest in the skin. Another indication that it was a spiritual malady is when we think about who was the one that examined the affliction. I I alluded to this before, but it wasn't a doctor. The person didn't go to 
the, uh, the dermatologist and say, hey, I've got this white patch of skin on my body. Can you take a look at it? Because it wasn't, it wasn't a skin issue. It was a soul issue. It was a spiritual issue. Rather, as the Torah says, the person was meant to go to the Kohen, was meant to go to the priest. Why would you go to the priest for a skin issue? Because it wasn't a skin issue. Tsaras, although it was skin deep, although it was on the skin, it wasn't skin deep. It was soul deep. It was on a cellular, not cellular level, but a cellular level that there was this affliction. And that's why the person consulted by the Kohen, by the priest, and not by, uh, not by a doctor. So that's the next indication. The final indication that I want uh, to mention that indicates that it was a spiritual malady is what the consequences were. The consequence of somebody being diagnosed, if you will, with saras is that they would be quarantined outside of the camp, not shelter in place. They had to leave their place and they had to be quarantined outside of the camp. Why was it called a camp? Because if you recall, the context of when these laws were given is when the Jews were traveling, were wandering throughout the wilderness. And in that time period, they were setting up camp. Quite literally, they had various uh, camps and tents, and that's how they lived out in the wilderness. And so the person afflicted with saras would have to actually live. They would have to move outside the camp uh, to settle there uh, for the duration of their, of their ailment. As explained in the good books, this also has a spiritual rationale for it. Um, and the spiritual rationale is that and I'm going to elaborate on this soon, is that the quarantine was not a punishment. It wasn't uh, a measure of protection for, for, for the rest of society necessarily, but rather, like we would understand typical quarantine, but rather it was intended to help heal the person that was afflicted with saras in the first place. It was part of their healing procedure. So what we see from all of these and other clues is that the Torah's description of tzaras was not, was not a, a simple skin, skin ailment. The Torah doesn't talk about, you know, uh, um, ankle sprains and um, sure, you know, tennis elbow and, 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 and arthritis and other things. The Torah doesn't talk about medicine. It's, that's not its role. The Torah talks about spiritual stuff and about how we're meant to live our lives. And the fact that saras is mentioned in Torah, again, that itself is a clue that it's not simply a physical thing, but it's an indication of something spiritual. So what was it? What was the spiritual ailment? What was the ill, if you will, that caused saras? According to our sages, there are a number of sins or a number of indiscretions that could bring about saras. But the most famous one and the most well-known one and probably the most prevalent cause of saras was speaking Lashon Hara, which means speaking negatively about somebody else. Torah famously tells us not to gossip and not to speak about other people, even if the disparaging information is true. It's still a prohibition to go and, and spread that. So the whole idea of being a yenta, you know what a yenta is? A yenta is, uh, you know, peddling information Right? Spreading information, gossiping, talking like, oh, do you know what I heard about? By the way, if you ever want to get people's attention, I do this sometimes when I teach just to like then say that we shouldn't be doing this. But if you ever want to get somebody's attention, say, 
you'll never guess what happened with so-and-so. Suddenly everybody dives in. It's like, wait, tell me what happened. I really want to hear. The point is that we're all just, I guess we're wired this way to be interested in other people's business. And the Torah gives us a general prohibition unless it's necessary to know, unless it's you know, going to protect someone else by knowing, uh, then you have to share the information. But otherwise, to just spread, you know, it's not even rumors. It's for sure rumors. But even if it's true, to spread negative information or even just information about someone's private life is not, it's not kosher. Again, if it's necessary and if it's for the protection of others in society, of course. You know, it, we're not talking about keeping crimes Hidden. That's not what this is about. But it's about the standard everyday gossips. You know, oh, yeah, this person did that, that, that. Which leads to, so oftentimes when we gossip about others, even if it's true, even if it's not necessarily disparaging, what oftentimes it, it ends up to, it, it ends with, you know, somebody being put down. And it, it usually, oftentimes it ends in, in a negative way. And it, it's harmful. It's harmful. The Talmud says that speaking ill of someone else Lashon Hara kills three. It can, it can literally take lives. It can destroy the one who's speaking, the one who's listening, and the one who's being spoken about. So we have to be very careful with, with our words and with, with the nature of our conversations to make sure that we're talking about things that we should be talking about and not talking about other people's lives. And when a person in ancient times was not careful with this, their skin would break out with tsaras. In fact, it didn't begin with the skin. It actually began with the home. The first thing that got afflicted was the stones of the home. And if a person still didn't get the message, then it hit the clothing. And if they still didn't get the message, then it hit their bodies. And just to explain the progression, you know, we have three, um, at least in social studies class, I remember learning there are three primary things that we need to, to, to exist and survive, food, clothing, shelter. So the first thing was that Saras afflicted the shelter. If we still didn't get the message, you know, you take a power, um, what am I, a power washer and you spray it off, right? And you clean, or maybe you pull out the brick and put in a new one, right? Pretend like it didn't happen. Then it hits the clothing. But even clothing, right? You pour some pre-treatment on it, you know, some uh, stain remover, and then you put it in the, in the you know, in a, in a heavy-duty wash cycle, you know, maybe it'll get clean, or maybe you can even get rid of that garment and wear something else. If a person still didn't get the message, then what it did was it hit the body, not the food, but it hit the body of the person themselves, and then you can't really ignore it because it's literally on you, so you got to deal with it. But I think there's also a beautiful lesson here in life, and that is that so often we get messages, right? God sends us messages through various means. And if we pick up on the message, you know, right away, then that's it, message delivered. But sometimes we hear it, but we don't pay attention to it, or we pretend like we don't hear it, and we push it away. Then it comes back, and we push it away again, then it comes back. You know, I, one way of thinking about this is, Thinking about challenges that we've had in life that have been recurring challenges. Let's say um, a, a type of relationship. You know, a person says, I don't know, in my life I'm always encountering these types of people. And it's, you know, it's been challenging you know, these types of relationships and these types of, wh on whatever level. 
but it's a recurring thing in my life, a person might say. Well, that's a major clue that there's something, there's something to be accomplished with that type of relationship. In other words, something, whether it has to be rejected or elevated or flipped or transformed, or there's some spark, there's something in there that needs to be extracted. And that's why if we're not getting it right the first time, it happens again. Still not getting it right, another opportunity. Still not getting it right, another opportunity. It's like uh, the prophet uh, Jonah, who God sent him on a mission and he ran away. You're not going to run away. So he sends him on a, he goes in a ship, he gets thrown off the ship, he gets swallowed by a whale or by a large fish, gets spit out. And God's like, are you ready now? And he's like, okay, I'm ready. So you can't run away from destiny. Certain things that are destined. Um, certain messages that we're destined to hear. If we hear them right away, great. We hear them, we integrate the lessons, we make the change that's needed, and we move on. If we don't get it, then we got to keep on doing it. So God says, here's a message. Look at the stones of your home. I put saras there. Wake up, stop yenting, stop talking about someone else. Nope, can't hear that message. Nope, not going to hear it. It's on the clothing now. Nope, not going to hear it. It's on you now. What are you going to do? It's on you. So you finally get the message. Fine. So again, it's a, it's a lesson in life, not only about Saras and about not speaking ill of someone else. Obviously, that's the direct message. But it's also about paying attention to life's messages, paying attention to the divine messages, because God is always sending us messages. People, you know, we know that today there's no prophecy. The Talmud says that there's no formal prophecy in the world. We don't have prophets. But... God still sends messages, email, instant messages. I'm kidding, right? There's still messages that are being sent. But here's the trick. We have to be tuned into the messages. I used the example last week or two weeks ago in a class. It's like radio waves. They're all around us. You have to have a radio and tune into the right frequency to pick up, to pick up the sound. So there are messages all around us, but we have to be tuned in to listen to the sound. So that's the next message, message that I wanted to share. Okay, so number one, it was a spiritual uh, malady or affliction that was a result of speaking ill, typically speaking ill of someone else. Um, it appeared in progressively closer order, first home, then clothing, then body, then the person themselves uh, as a wake-up call to change. But let's speak about the next item, and that is that who did you go to? I mentioned this before. Who would you go to? You would go to the Kohen, the priest. Why to a priest specifically? Why not to any wise uh, Torah scholar? Why specifically a priest? So it's explained in Kabbalah that a Kohen is emblematic of the energy of Chesed. We know that there are 10 energies of the soul and one of them is chesed, love, loving kindness. And the Torah says, for someone to deem someone impure, right? That was the... If somebody saw a white patch on their skin, they would go to the Kohen and say, do I have it or not? Right? Do I have it? Do I have Tzaras or not? For someone to, to, to label someone else, as a mitzorah, as someone that has it, yes, you're afflicted with it, you have it, you must have spoken about someone else not in a good way, for someone else to condemn, I mean, not, not punish, but to 
label someone impure, you need the love of a Kohen. It has to come from someone who's loving. To send someone out of the camp, to quarantine someone, it has to come from a place of love. It couldn't be anyone else. It would have to be the Kohen. Again, I want to just explain. The Kohen, the Kohanim, the priests, were marked. They were defined by the trait of love. That's what a Kohen is all about, love. Loving the other and wanting to help them in, in whatever way. So it was, the Torah says, in order to deem someone impure, in order to quarantine someone, you have to be a person of love. Let's now take it out of the original context and make it more universal. Oftentimes, oftentimes we notice things about others that maybe aren't so good. And we might be tempted to call them out on it. The Torah is telling us a, a major lesson. And that is, before you call someone else out, make sure it's coming from a place of love. Because if it's coming from a place of anger or indignation or ego, if it's coming from any of those places, then it's not valid criticism. It's not valid critique. Only if it's coming from a place of love is the critique valid. The very same verse in Leviticus that says, make sure to rebuke your friend when you notice something wrong, that same verse is attached to another statement that says, do not hate your brother in your heart. How the only time that rebuke, criticism, critique, the only time, the only context in which that's kosher is if you make sure that there's no heart, sorry, that's not no heart, that there's no hate in your heart and no, no severity running through your veins. When it's coming from a place of love, then it's healing critique. Then it's healing criticism. I mean, I don't have to tell you this. Think about it in your life. Think about when you've heard words of critique that hurt. And think about when you've heard words of critique that have been constructive. The difference is completely in where it's coming from and how it's coming from that person. When it's coming from the other person who loves you, and they mean it from love, and they're saying it in a loving fashion, then it's uplifting. It's like, it's great. You're telling me something that I can do to improve myself. Why wouldn't I want to listen? But if you're telling me why I'm wrong, or why I'm bad, or why I'm failing, or why I'm no good, or why I'm falling short, if you want to tell me that stuff, I don't want to hear it. I'm not open to hearing it. Because you're attacking me. I'm not what I should willingly set myself up for an attack, I'm going to protect myself either by ducking and not really listening or by punching back. Oh, you tell me this. Who are you to tell me this when I know what you're doing in your life? That's typically how people respond to critique is either, you know, yeah, 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 whatever, and not really listen and not really integrate it or to fire back to punch back. Both of those are not healthy, but again, it all starts with how the words are being spoken. If it's coming from love, then it will be taken with love. If it's not coming from love, it's not going to be taken with love. And so that's the message. The person that has a white patch on their skin. In ancient times, they were told, who do you go to? Who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? You're going to call the Kohen. Why the Kohen? The Kohen loves you. 
The Kohen is a person filled with love for their fellow, for their fellow human being. And because they're coming from love, they're going to be very careful to say, you're afflicted. They're going to look at it a bunch of times. And even when they say, you know, you have it, they're going to do it with love. And they're going to tell you what to do because of it with love. And what did, you, and what did they do if they, if they actually had it? If the person actually had Saras, what did the Kohen say to do? They were told, as I said before, to quarantine. It's not just a punishment. It's not a punishment. And it's not even a consequence. Some say that it's a consequence. Because this person sowed division by gossiping. Because they sowed division inside the camp, you're in timeout. Because you created separation between people. Right When we gossip, we create animosity between people, rivalry, where we pit people against each other. So because you did that, so now you're going to be split from other people. You cause rifts, now you're going to feel the rift. You're going to be outside the camp. That's the school of thought that says that the quarantine outside the camp was a consequence. But there's another school of thought that says it was a loving lesson, not a punishment and not a consequence, but rather it was a constructive lesson and the first step in the path of healing. What does a person need in order to gossip? You can unmute yourself. What is a, what's the most essential element in order to gossip? What do you need in order to gossip? Information on other people. Good. What's the second thing that you need? Someone to listen to you. Someone to listen. Someone to to be part of the gossip. It's no, you can't gossip if you're the only person there, right? You can't gossip to yourself. That's boring. Who does that, right? So what is the true, so so gossip means you're, you're talking to someone or to multiple people. So what's the first step to heal? It's to stop talking to people, right? It's to, it's to like, to not be so talkative to other people. So that's why the quarantine. It wasn't a physical thing and it wasn't a punishment. It wasn't even like a consequence. Like, ooh, wake up. This is what you've been doing. You've been creating rifts. Feel the rift for yourself. That's like, gotcha. There's a deeper understanding. It wasn't about getting the person. It was about healing them. It was about setting them on the road to be more introspective and to be less gossipy, to be less talkative. If you're outside the camp and there's no one around you, you're not talking to anybody. So you're practicing for at least seven days, you know, depending how long it, it, uh, it lasted for, you're practicing not gossiping. That's a great lesson. Not a lesson. That's a great way to heal. That reflects, our sages tell us, the Kabbalists tell us also, that reflects all of these so-called punishments in Torah. They're not punishments. They're all healing. You know, sometimes you take medicine, especially with kids. You know, they take medicine and it tastes terrible. And they don't even want to take... I've had situations like this with my kids 
where they needed, let's say, I don't know, like a, an antibiotic or something. And even the sweet stuff that they, you know, they mix in the flavor to make it sweet and bubble gum and like the liquid, all that stuff, refused to take it. They didn't like the taste. And, 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 you know, as a parent, you love them and you want them to get better. And the doctor's saying, yeah, this is what you need. And, and all you want is for them to, to get better, but they don't want to take it. And they see it as you're forcing me to do something. I'm not feeling well. And now you're giving me something that I don't like. What kind of parent, what kind of parent are you? This is terrible. But when you know the truth, you know that it's not a punishment. It's a medicine. It's a medication. This is not hurting you. This is healing you. The same thing is true with all of the so-called punishments in Torah or so-called consequences. It's all medicine. And in this case, I think we see it even more clearly than in other cases. Because literally, the person had an opportunity to stop gossiping. And this was the first, pa- the first step toward healing, to, stop, to stopping you know, uh, the gossip and the, and, the, and the schmoozing excessively. This was the first step. So it's, uh, I think it's a very powerful lesson. So um, we didn't look at verses inside because today was more of a kind of general themes. Tomorrow we're going to jump into some verses. But I wanted to share, I wanted to make sure to share these, uh, these several points. Number one, saras, which is the theme of these Torah portions. It was not a physical thing, it was a spiritual thing. Um, that was indicated by where it afflicted, what the affliction was, who examined the affliction, and what the consequence of a positive diagnosis was. All of those point to the fact that it wasn't something physical, but rather something spiritual. We can take lessons from the order in which it emerged, first the home, then the clothing, then the person's body, closer and closer and closer. And the message is, listen to the messages, listen to the first message, the first time, so it doesn't have to hit close to home, so to speak, right? Or close to, to our bodies. Like, let, let's take the warning, whatever, war, whatever messages there are, let's be attuned to them. Uh, that's the second point. Third point is, the Kohen is the one to ascertain the Tsaras and the quarantine because criticism, critique, acts of so-called harshness should only be done from a place of love. The Kohen is synonymous with love. Never critique, never banish, never ostracize, never quarantine, never push away anybody from a place of anger because it's not doing anyone any benefit, not ourselves and not them. Only from a place of love that's what brings healing. And the last point, that was lesson three. Fourth lesson was um, recognizing the importance of healing the root cause and not just the symptom. And that was by quarantining, by sending the person out of the camp. It literally put them on the path of healing, put them on the path of not gossiping so much. And that would hopefully set the stage for that type of behavior once they return to the camp. The point here is, when we look at problems, let's address the core and not just the symptom. No reason to put a Band-Aid over the saras. Let's go to the source and stop the gossiping. Again, that's the lesson from that specific case, but it applies to many different areas. Make sense? Yes? Good. So let's be positive. Let's give constructive feedback. Let's do it from a place of love and listen to life's messages. And let's get to the core of things and not just deal with symptoms. Let's, let's, get, let's, let's do the change that we need to do and, and there'll be no more symptoms.
That's it. Questions, so, comments? Yeah, Charna. Someone had a heart attack and is in the hospital. That would be the same thing? I mean, people talk about Oh, I, I, yeah. Them. I understand your question. I think I understand your question. Can we apply the same type of thinking to other forms of physical ailments? I would say we have to be very careful with that because when it comes to tzaras, we have a very clear directive from Torah and from the written and the oral Torah telling us exactly why it happened. When it comes to anything else, that's, we're on our own and that's very dangerous. That leads to people saying, you know why coronavirus? Because that's always a bit of a, of, of a dangerous thing because who really knows? Who really knows exactly what? Now, can we say in general that this is an opportunity, for example, you know, we're all, is this an opportunity to be more introspective and to be more spiritual and to connect with our families more and build our communication and love for, for another and empathy? Sure. If it's positive, let's, yeah, let's take positive. Let's take constructive lessons to make ourselves better people. For sure. If somebody goes through a health scare, God forbid, should... Is it healthy if they view it as a wake-up call and they become more intentional about the way they live their lives and eat healthier and, and practice more love and kindness in their own lives? Nothing wrong with that. The challenge is to say definitively that this is why it happened, right? That this was triggered by that, you know, spiritual lacking or indiscretion. That's already playing God and that's... That's already, I, I would say, I call that overstepping, overreaching. So to say that we're going to, in general, improve, that's always good. Always good to improve. We shouldn't wait for difficulties to improve. We should improve because we want to improve. But improvement is always good. When it comes to playing God, I'm not, I'm not into that. I, I can't, I'm, I'm working on playing my, I'm working on, on being me. I don't need to work on being God. I mean, that's, that's already next level. Charna, does that make sense? Does that help? No. No, no not really. <laughs> tell, tell, me more, tell me more about your question. I, I mean, people say all the time that so-and-so is in the hospital. That's all they say. They had a heart attack or something, you know. Right. I'm How do you else do you know that someone is not... Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I thought you were asking, should we then apply the same thing to other physical challenges? I'm sorry. You were asking, are we allowed to gossip about someone else's medical condition? Okay. That, is that, was that your question? I guess, but I, I don't think of it as gossip. I understand. I'm saying your question is, would that, it, is that, would that constitute gossip or is that kosher? Okay. Great question. So in general... Anything that's disparaging, we shouldn't be sharing in a disparaging way. Things that are not disparaging and true, if there's a utility, then we should share. So if we have a friend, if we have a good friend who, God forbid, is not feeling well, right? And they're in the hospital or a relative or ourselves then yeah, we should let people know because then they can do the mitzvah of 
Bikr Cholam, of visiting the sick. They can do the mitzvah of bringing food to them. They can pick up the phone and call or visit or whatever it is. They can, they can help that person, and that's very important. So yeah, for the sake of, uh, for the sake of a mitzvah, it's very important. But we have to be careful. Look, we, we ha- it's no one... There's no police to draw the line, right? It's, and we could always say, no, I meant it, you know, for the... It's an internal thing. We have to have a very, very strong internal moral compass and really be, really be strong about it so that we don't cross that line into gossip territory. I would say if you're sharing with somebody about someone that's not feeling well and they can help or they can reach out because they're a friend and, and they, would, they would appreciate that, 100% we share because it's not harmful, it's, it's not harmful, it's helpful. But we have to be careful. Uh, our sages tell us that God says, I gave you two things, two layers of protection, teeth and lips in front of the tongue, right? The tongue is behind two doors. It's like when you go, when you buy jewelry, yeah, you go to the jewel, like a jeweler, like a real jeweler. So you have that double layer of security. They let you in the first doors and then you come in or like a bank on lockdown, right? And then you go in through the next layer of security God says, I gave you two layers of security, lips and teeth, and then the tongue. And the message is, we should be careful. In the Talmud, it says that um, a rabbi once asked his students, what is the most powerful part of the body? And the answer was the tongue. It has the power of life and death. You know, back in, in the war, so I've been told there was a statement, a phrase that was loose lips sink ships, right? So literally, the information that you leak, you know, you're at the bar. Yeah, World War II, yeah, yeah, you're at the bar, you're, you're uh, doing your thing, and you're, just, you're schmoozing with somebody you just met. But if you say the wrong thing, you're compromising the entire, uh, entire war, entire war effort. So that's a very specific example, right, obviously, but... The, the overarching message is we have to be careful. And there's no, there's no outside police. It's all internally policed. It's all us deciding, you know, what is kosher and what's not kosher. We have to be careful. It's so easy to speak about others in, 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 in a way that's not, not so kosher. So it takes uh, fortitude. Um, I have a question yes. on that thing. Just, I just want to be sure I'm clear, but I, I sure. think that this would, obviously, this would be okay. So... Um, if suppose I had a neighbor who had done something that would cause harm to other people, that's a necessary exchange of information as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, in fact, not only physical harm but also financial harm. That it says in Jewish law that if you know somebody has defrauded people before, and now they're going to enter into business with somebody else, you have to tell that person, look. I, I don't know their intention, but here's, here are the facts of what's happened in the past. You have to tell them. It's, it's a sin not to. So, so you have to share that information. In the same verse that says um, in the Torah, don't gossip, the next half says, and let not blood, uh, innocent blood be on your hands. 
And the, again, in the very same verse that it says, don't gossip, it also says, but don't let blood on your hands. And that's understood to mean that we shouldn't gossip, but if someone's in harm's way, then you, then you have to share the information. You have to go to the police if necessary. Obviously, you have to warn others if necessary. But, you know, if it's true and you know that it's true and whatever. I mean, there's still certain guidelines. You can't just, you know, share unfounded rumors either because that, that hurts people. But if it's true, you got to share it, of course, 100%. There are, there are entire volumes, books, books, books in, Jew, in Judaism that are all about understanding our responsibilities with speech when it comes to what we say, both for what we are, shouldn't be saying and also what we should be saying. But that's a great question. It's a great question. Um, would you share at some point maybe um, some of those titles? I would like to read something like that. Sure, sure, sure. So I can't tell you the... Um, not right now. Yeah, well, it's look up, you can Google, um, you know, Chafetz uh, Chaim. The Chafetz Chaim, he was a scholar. Um, he's known as the Chafetz Chaim. That's the book that he wrote. And C H A F E T Z, Chafetz Chaim. And look for his works in English because he has works on, uh, it's been translated, his works on basically maintaining healthy patterns of speech and not and not overstepping that and not gossiping by the way navi we're loving the sunset we've been watching the sunset in jerusalem it's stunning 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 <laughs> love it <laughs> love it good any other questions or comments that's it all right charna what's the name of your cat again remind me This one is Hudson. Hudson. Nice. Nice. Bo's not in the mood for Torah today. Well, listen. Tell Bo that Hudson was new. <laughs> new. Bo, you got to show up. Right. What is this? This is flaking on us like that. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, good. Great to see everyone today. Um, tonight, as a reminder, we're not doing uh, Talmud Tuesdays. We're going to, please God, launch a brand new Tuesday series in the coming weeks, stay tuned. We have some incredible, incredible, incredible new courses that we're launching. Stay tuned. I've received the designs. We've had our designer work for the last few days on this stuff. We have brand new designs that have come in. We're about to go public with them. So just stay tuned. Email, Facebook, you know, social media. If you're, if you're wondering, you can just send me a message, email, call me, text me. And, uh, and I can get you all the information. And you can always take a look at our website, intownjewishacademy.org. All right, great to see everybody. Uh, have a great day and see you soon. All right, take care, guys. Stay safe, stay healthy. Bye, pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Bye.